And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Yes, let's get our sub count up to 2,000. We're currently sitting at 1,996. We've lost a couple. As we do, two steps forward, one step back. Hello, everybody. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me. And it is Thursday. It is the last show of the week. And yes, Mazerus, on with the show we go. Um, We're available on a number of different podcast platforms if you prefer to listen to this program. Uh, But if you do that, then you can't see the live show, which is Monday through Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern over on YouTube and Odyssey and Facebook. Uh, Mazer says it's Thursday. I'm looking at a sheet of ice outside being covered by snow. I, You know, we've got, I don't know, three, four or five inches of snow here on the ground. I have no intention of getting out in it. It's not even pretty to look at at this point. It just, it just isn't. So there is that. All right. A couple of things. I know that Twitter has been blowing up about this and I'm not going to get into too much of it, but I want to ask a question. I want to, I want to propose a different point of view with regard to Whoopi Goldberg's suspension. Now stay with me for just a minute here, because this is, this is not something that I've put a great deal of thought into but I want to connect some dots that maybe some people are not connecting here because a lot of people are talking about Whoopi Goldberg's suspension in comparison to what happened to Gina Carano a lot of people are sitting there going double standard double standard double standard think about this for a minute Up until a certain point, probably a few weeks to a few months ago, I would submit to you that Whoopi Goldberg probably would not have suffered any consequences for her comments on The View. And instead of looking at this like a double standard, what if we were to look at this as a new standard. Now, I, I know that makes me sound like a glass-half-full optimist, which <coughs> I'm not. I am the friendly curmudgeon old man cynic in the room. But, but, consider that we are now in the age of Chapek and Arnold. Bob Iger is gone. 
And as we talked about here on the program, Bob Chapek's memo with all of the new pillars of creative where he's talking about the fact that we are not going to attack our fans anymore. We're not going to we're not going to attack our customers. It's entirely possible. And I don't know this for a fact. I'm just speculating here. It is possible that Disney, now under full control of Bob Chapek and Susan Arnold, has issued the marching orders to all the divisions and said, enough is enough. And we have this report from Cameron Pasha over on his Patreon where he's got somebody who is a Disney executive who cannot be named giving him internal memos basically saying that it's coming from higher up. The woke language and the woke attitude ends now. So what if Whoopi Goldberg's suspension is a consequence of that? Perhaps we have turned a corner a little bit, maybe. I'm also encouraged by the fact that Jeff Zucker had to resign from CNN. I'm also encouraged by this report about Facebook's uh, stock price. They have lost daily users for the first time. They have, uh, they have lost... Uh, profit to the tune of nearly maybe 200, what was it? 200 billion? 200, lots of money. Facebook has lost money. CNN is in shambles. Whoopi Goldberg sits there and has to face consequences for saying something stupid. Well, now, wait, wait, let me let me correct that. Because did she say something untoward? Did she say something untrue? Did she say something stupid? I want to backtrack on that for just a second because what she actually said... about what happened during World War II. She says, the Holocaust isn't about race. It's not about race. It's about man's inhumanity to man. Now, I'm reading a transcript here. I didn't actually see the clip. Now, our co-host, Anna Navarro, says it's about white supremacists going after Jews. And, and Goldberg responds, the minute you turn it into race, it goes down this alley. Let's talk about it for what it is. It's how people treat each other. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, Jews, it's each other. Now, on, on the one hand, I can see where people would correct her on the record and say, no, this was about the Jews being slaughtered. But stop and consider, too, that the Jews were not the only targets of the Nazis. They went after the gypsies, they went after the homosexuals, they went after the Russians. So, in one sense, Whoopi Goldberg, what she said was true. Because it was about how people treated each other. And yes, the Jews were 
a primary target, but not the only target. And it's interesting that this viewpoint, this, what she says here, is very similar to that Instagram post that Gina Carano shared that got her in a bunch of hot water. And this is where the, the, the accusations of double standards are coming from, I'm sure. Because Whoopi Goldberg essentially said the same thing that Gina Carano shared. How did we get to the point where we're treating our neighbors like this? How do we avoid going down this same road? But, Gina posted in the age of Iger. And we are now in the age of Chapek. So I, <coughs> excuse me, I would lean toward the idea that Whoopi Goldberg facing consequences for what she says, whether they're the same consequences Gina Carano faced or not, the fact that she's facing any consequences at all tells me that something has changed at corporate with regard to Disney and how they approach things. That's a guess on my part. I'm willing to admit that it's a guess on my part. But we're seeing signs of a sea change at Disney. Uh, you stop and consider this new hire over here with the replacement, uh, Alexia Quadrani, the new head of investor relations. 14 years at J.P. Morgan analyzing media for investment groups. No slouch. And is now reporting to uh, Christine McCarthy, the chief financial officer at Disney. And these are the people who are going to be interfacing and interacting and communicating with the various different investor groups. The people who are putting money into the Walt Disney Company saying, you know, this, it's, a, it's a new day. It's a new age. It's a new era. And when you've got Bob Chapek coming on with his three pillars for Disney going forward, like he did in that memo from a few weeks ago, it really maybe seems like there's a new sheriff in town. And his name is Robert Chapek. And the marshal, Susan Arnold. And as long as Chapek has Susan Arnold standing in his corner, I think you're going to start seeing some changes. Some good, some not so good, some, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I, I would submit to you that Whoopi Goldberg's suspension is a new standard, not necessarily a double standard. And I know everybody wants to find something to complain about. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Because stop and consider. If 
what went down with Gina Carano had happened under the current regime, would the response have been different? See, that's the question, because, you know, Cameron's got this theory that all of the internal politicking and everything that happened with the office and all of the changes in the in the corporate policies and the and the corporate uh, environment and the culture inside. Here's how we're going to do things moving forward. His theory is that somewhere and, and you see it during Book of Boba Fett. His theory is that somewhere along the lines of the third or fourth episode, this is when Chapek's memo decides to take hold, and here's here's how we're doing things now. And Kathleen Kennedy is no longer in charge of Star Wars. You go focus on Indiana Jones. And the internal politics were settled. And he may have something there. He may be right. Uh, he he admits that's a, it's a theory for him. But... Cameron has some pretty good insight into all of this. I would not be surprised to find that he's that he's correct on this. So don't be looking at Whoopi Goldberg's suspension as a double standard. Because our our regime is different now. We are now in the age of Chapek and Arnold. And that's gonna make a difference in how Disney corporate deals with a lot of this stuff and with additional scrutiny from the Department of Justice, the Federal Trade Commission with regard to say the the Discovery Warner Media deal and you've got Mr. Malone over there, the primary investor of Discovery who's just basically said CNN is a cesspool that needs to be completely redone well, now there's an opportunity. Jeff Zucker being gone, there's an opportunity to clean house. So, will 2022 be a good year? Maybe. Might be a good year for truckers. Maybe. Yeah, and, and Mazers, you're right. She's apparently is threatening to quit. And that's fine if that's what she wants to do. You know, it's just like uh, just like Neil Young and, and Joni Mitchell and all these people that decide they want to pull their, their music libraries from Spotify over Joe Rogan. And Spotify says, okay. I mean, they know which side the, the bread's buttered on. And, you know, if you can bring me 200 million listeners... I'll I'll take under consideration what you want. It's about money. That's the bottom line. Spotify will make money as long as Joe Rogan has got his show on their platform. And they know this. And it's ironic that Joni Mitchell and Neil Young, of all people, as well as, you know, David Crosby, Graham Nash, they're, they're all sitting there wanting to pull their, their material because they want Spotify to do something about Joe Rogan. Now, a lot of people sit there and go, oh, it's capitalism. They can pull their library, and they can. But the censorship aspect of it comes from threatening 
I'm going to pull my music unless you do something about him. Then it becomes a call for censorship. And the irony is that it's Neil Young, of all people, Joni Mitchell, of all people, that are now on the side of fascists. The irony is not lost on those of us of an age. That's all I'll say. All right. <laughs> Excuse me. I am still not 100%. I apologize. But uh, that's, that's, that's what I'm going to say about Whoopi Goldberg's suspension. And that's uh, still, still playing out. We'll see how things go. And yes, I, I have watched the Book of Boba Fett's latest episode. And, you know. I have thoughts. We we are going to assemble a panel for the Ranker Pit, and we're going to talk about the entire season of the Book of Boba Fett at some point here in the near future very soon. So uh, be looking for that. And uh, we'll post over on social media when we've got that up and running. And, yeah, we're getting very close, very close. We skate the edge, and then we skip back. We skate the edge and skip back. There was a There was a comedy routine... Uh, I believe it was Bill Cosby talking about Adam and Eve and uh, talking about how, how women flirt. Come here, come here, come here. Go away, go away, go away, go away. Come here, come here, come here. Go away, go away, go away. YouTube's kind of the same way. We're skating the edge of two, 2,000 subscribers and we get very close. We get very close and then we scoot back. And I don't know if people are accidentally subscribing and they realize, oh, hey, I didn't want to subscribe to that channel and they pull their, their subscription or if YouTube's shenaniganing with the numbers, shenaniganing, is that shenaniganing? Is, is that a word? It's a word now. If YouTube's messing with the numbers, I don't know. Or it could be that people have decided that they don't like what I say and they just they took their marbles and went home and that's fine too. Uh, yeah, Coach and Nick on uh, on the Ranker Pit, that would be fun. Um, you know, we get Michelle and Natalie from Force of Light and maybe, uh, maybe see if Drunk 3PO wants to be on there. Who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll send out a bunch of invitations and see who shows up. But we got to figure out schedule and all of that. So be watching our social media for that. Speaking of which, let me go ahead and throw all of that up. The list... Of our social media platforms where you can find us uh, pretty much anywhere except Tumblr and Snapchat and TikTok. And, uh, <laughs> excuse me, and that's that's where you can find us. Bunch of video platforms there, Odyssey, Rumble, YouTube, and Twitch. Speaking of Twitch, we are planning to do another watch party. And uh, as of now, it looks like we're going to be able to do Runaway starring Tom Selleck. It's still in the library. So we're going to look at doing that after we do our 2,000 subscribers stream, which I was hoping we could get to this week. So uh, we'll see. Anyway, all right, we're going to take a real quick break. When we come back, Junior Boss is here. We pre-recorded our conversation. I'm going to monitor the chat while we play back our discussion of this week's Superman and Lois. That's coming up right after this. Live from the bunker, the little radio show that could, but hasn't yet. 
beginning of the movie, she was pretty. But then over the course of the movie, I thought she became a little bit more. But her character also becomes more numb. Because, I mean, she's just kind of like, I'll just run him over the car. <laughs> well, I mean, killing people is hard. Foreign Bodies, Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, only on Sci-Fi For Me TV. As we do on our Thursday editions... Here on Live from the Bunker, I am joined by the youngling. James is here, and we're talking Superman and Lois. We're four episodes in. Things seem to be moving along at a fairly good clip. And uh, so here we are. This is pre-recorded a little bit because circumstances and schedules being what they are, but... Uh, it's, like I said, the story's moving along pretty well. We're not, we're not stretching things out. We're not dragging any of the story plot points or, or anything like that. It seems to be moving at a pretty good pace. Uh, this, this particular episode gives us, uh, more of a confrontation with Bizarro. We finally see Lucy Lane, played by Jenna Dewan, reprising her role from Supergirl. Looking a little rough around the edges, though. Uh, this is clearly a different... Uh, Lucy Lane that uh, that Jenna Dewan is playing this is not the this is not the Jenna Dewan Lucy Lane from Supergirl. I mean, it's the same no. same performer, but I don't get the sense that this particular Lucy had military background. This is definitely one of the post crisis changes. Yeah, which I'm so happy to see a show doing that. I know, like some of the other Arrowverse shows. It's post-crisis, but nothing's really been done because of crisis. Like a completely new character, same actor. Right. There's small changes, but because the show got a blank slate, it's very easier for them to do post-crisis changes because they didn't have anything to change in their show in the first place. Well, and that's consistent when you look at the reboot of DC's titles after Crisis on Infinite Earths way back in 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 the late 80s when they started reviving everything. It did give them a chance to pretty much wipe the slate clean and start over because your your mythology of the various different characters Superman especially had gotten so complicated and complex and messy and you know wonder woman same way uh, you know power girl supergirl who which one was which and which origin story did you go with i mean power girl's got like four or five different origin she's stories a clone, she's an alien she's a doppelganger yeah. yeah so so when crisis on infinite earth happened they were able to just sit there and go okay we're just starting all over from everything and 
Superman being uh, being a pr- primary example of that with John Byrne's Man of Steel reboot. Six issues, restarted the character, restarted all of the story, and everything went from scratch right from the beginning there. <coughs> Excuse me. And it, and it gives us, in the Arrowverse, it gives us a chance to do the same kind of thing where, yeah, we've got Lucy Lane and it's the same actor playing Lucy Lane, but it's a different Lucy Lane to fit the needs of this particular story. Now, if she's got any military experience in her background, that may come out. But it feels like this Lucy doesn't quite have her life together as much as the other one did. Yeah, um, they also mentioned she had a fiancé. I'm assuming it's not Olsen. Well, I mean that would Probably. that would still be that would still be consistent because she was she was uh, engaged to Jimmy, I think, at one point, maybe, wasn't she? Uh, and that's consistent with the comics. I mean, they were an item for a while in the comic books. I don't remember right off the top of my head if they ever if they were ever engaged in the comics. I know they dated. Um, but I'm not sure if they, if they did anything beyond that. So, uh, so that's consistent. I mean, hearing, hearing that she had a, a fiance, that's not, that's not a new surprise item for the character. So, um, yeah, this episode, um, we also get the reveal of who the second villain is. Which I'm very excited for. Parasite. What? You didn't... Oh, you don't know? Oh, okay. So, in the comics... I know who Parasite is in the comics. I don't... I didn't get any kind of a... Alexander Alston. Her name in the show is Alexandra Alston. And Lois has been calling her a parasite the whole time. She's a oh. I'm getting excited just talking about it because I didn't know you didn't know, and I'm always excited. I didn't catch that. Ah, uh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, they're doing Parasite. So we're getting... So I think we're getting three villains because we still don't know who that one woman talked to on the phone. Yeah, that's true, and and it's likely. Well, there's there's a couple of there's a couple of possibilities there. One is that she could be she could be coordinating with DOD. I don't think she is. Uh, Alston, huh? The scientist that was oh. out there. What's her name in charge of the of the of the cleanup operation? She could I be know. working with Anderson, but I think she's probably calling in to somebody else. Not. Not Morgan Edge, of course. So that leaves as a possibility either Lex Luthor or Ooh. You know who'd be cool? No, Mm. he wasn't really a villain. My first mind went to um for those of you who've seen the animated series, uh, Professor ha- Hamilton, I don't remember his first name. Emil? He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if 
he was brought in. That because, would be... I mean, stories where he was the creator of Doom. Well, not Doomsday, Bizarro. He and well, that was that that would be an interesting addition because that would bring Star Labs into things. Uh, because Star Labs has not been introduced in in the Superman and Lois mythology yet. Um, that that's that's got some potential. That's got some possibility to it because we've yeah. Um, Star Labs or um, Cadmus. I mean, you could bring back Project Cadmus. I mean, it was they they did it completely wrong in Supergirl. But now that we've got the reset from Crisis, we could do we could do an actual real Project Cadmus. I don't I don't think we're getting Cadmus. Probably not. Because, no, well, mainly because of Peacemaker. Um, they're. They've got Amanda Waller in that. Spoilers. Sorry. Well, Amanda Waller's not part of Project Cadmus. What? Yes, she is. She well in the Arrowverse. It, that's a different oh, thing. Yeah. In in the comic books, the Project Cadmus is a secret uh, biological weapons facility that has a lot of uh, genetic experiments. Uh, you've got uh, a psychic alien named Dubalex who's up there. You've got the Newsboy gang. Uh, oh, news, I thought Newsboy was Legion. Was you have uh, Guardian. Guardian is one of the people that's up there protecting, you know, working security for it. So it's a completely different thing than anything that we've seen so far in any of the uh, any of the um, television shows. And Amanda Waller is not part of Project Cadmus in terms of, of uh, what's in the comics. Now, we have seen a fairly accurate Project Cadmus in Young Justice. Right. Oh, was that Cadmus? That okay. was Project Cadmus. And and in that particular storyline, you've got uh, the, the Superman clone, Connor, uh, is the is the result of genetic experiments between uh, Superman's Kryptonian DNA and and Luther's DNA? So that oh, then I'm more than happy for them to bring in Cadmus. That's then. a project. That, yeah, that's, that's yeah. but see, that's that's not the Project Cadmus that we got in Supergirl. No, wait, there was there was a there was a there was a Cadmus in Super. People yes, the Supergirl had a Project Cadmus, and it was run by Lex Luthor's wife, mother. Mother. Yep. Mother. Yes. Oh no, I know, I know. I yeah. just don't want to know if that so, makes sense. So there is that. So yeah, I think Star Labs would be more likely. Um, Hamilton even. Hamilton actually left Star Labs to work for Cadmus in some stories. So. In in some stories, yeah, but mostly he he decided to, to knock out on his own because he didn't like the way things are being done at at the different places where he was doing projects. So that's a that's a a possibility. Uh, it would be interesting to see this this story universe's version of Emil Hamilton uh, to see do they go with. Someone young like Alessandro Giuliani, or do they go older like uh, is typically in the comic books? Uh, you'd go probably mid fifties or at least sixties. Uh, somebody to to be the older uh, 
um, kind of absent-minded professor-ish because he is a little bit of the absent-minded professor like you would see in the comics. Um, I don't know. I think I think it would be... Oh. Oh. Emil Hamilton. Ooh, oh, I would get... You know who I'd get to play him? Eric Avari. I think nope. Eric Avari would be the perfect... Um, you know him, uh, especially those of you who, who have seen Star uh, Stargate. Uh, he oh. is. Uh, he played the. He played the the Sherry's father. And Stargate. Oh. He was also in the Stargate series, uh, but he's been in a number of. Uh, projects uh, and uh, is a, a very accomplished actor uh, has a long history in film and television he was in the in, he was in Independence Day the mummy Planet of the Apes um, he's been in uh, his latest was in the TV series the chosen uh, he's been in Grimm warehouse 13 he's got he's got quite a uh, quite a, a resume. Uh, and I think he'd probably he he would do pretty well. I think I would I would be just fine with Eric Gavari playing Emil Hamilton. You know, he's, I mean, he's got the look, and he's the right age. We're talking about like absent-minded professors. You know who'd be also pretty good? Brent Spiner would also be pretty good. Who? Brent Spiner. Brent. Oh, see. No, I would, I, only no, because because, of, because he's done it too many times. He's done it too many times. He he was he was the absent-minded scientist in Independence Day, and then oh. he's all he's he's all of the scientists in every every Star Trek show now. It's almost like, well, we need a scientist. Well, let's get Brent Spiner to play in it. it, it it's it's worn out. It's worn out. It's too much. I forgot he was in Independence Day. Yeah, and and it, it's it, it's I don't want to say it's become a joke yet, but it's it's a running gag that's really really worn out. It's welcome, and you know you have I you know I mean how many different how many different members of the of the Noonien Sung family can he play before it gets. To, 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 totally unbelievable. Wait, Noonien Soon? Yes. He's not related to. No. Uh, you know what? We're, no, we're getting, but we're, but they digress. see digress. see that's the thing is is you know <laughs> that was a deliberate callback to Khan, but uh, Noonien Sung was the inventor of data and lore and, you know, the positronic brain and, and that sort of no thing. No of course you had, huh? No relation to Noonien Singh. N what do you mean Noonien Singh? Khan Noonien Singh. Khan Noonien Singh was a different character. Yeah. No, we're, we're not getting his relatives until Strange New Worlds. Right. Okay. We digress. <sighs> I'm very tired. He's tired. Well, We're both sick. We anyway, anyway, yeah, but yeah, Star Labs, I think, would be a good a good candidate for that. I don't know that they would necessarily be a villain to your earlier point, but uh, they could be 
adversarial without being villainous and and I think we're we're looking at the same kind of relationship that Superman has with Anderson and note that he's now a general oh is he did you see that because he's wearing three stars now and I do believe and I could have this wrong but it seems to me that in the first episode of the season, they called him Lieutenant Anderson. He got promoted awfully quick if he went from Lieutenant to General in three episodes. Oh. Um, Because there's no such thing as a Lieutenant General. Okay. I don't know my military stuff too well, but I know a little more than the common person. I wonder if he was lieutenant. They brought him in and now they're giving him a field commission of general. Not from lieutenant. No, not from lieutenant. If he's a first lieutenant, do you know how many grades he's got to skip in order to be a three-star general? A lieutenant should not be taking over from a general anyway. I know, which is why I'm thinking that they had it wrong in the first episode and they went back and corrected it. Well, they can't. They couldn't have just given him like three more rank ups. That's not, not three. That's no, not. it's not. No, first I got lieutenant, the three stars. Nope, nope he, I got the three stars mixed up. It's a lot more than three. Yeah, it is. It's captain, oh, major, lieutenant, that. colonel, colonel, brigadier, general, major, general. Oh, lieutenant, general. Okay. Three stars is lieutenant general in the army. Oh. I had that wrong. Never mind. Okay. Oh man. Good thing we didn't do this. But live. they did call him. <laughs> they did call him lieutenant in the first episode. I do believe. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I misheard it wrong. But anyway, I yeah. Knew. To your point on on parasite, I didn't even pick up on Allie Alston being a parasite. Yeah, and I'm very excited for that. Mm. And I wonder. Are, is she going to be the key to avoiding the death of Superman and she has to take Bizarro's power? Uh, or should we... Or, or, or should we save the speculation until we've talked about at least ten minutes of this episode? I don't know. I mean... I'm sorry. We're We're everywhere tonight, folks. Or tomorrow. Or... This afternoon, whichever you prefer. Well, the the thing the thing that I'm looking here, at least Allie Alston, Alexandra Alston, is not just a gender swap on one of the parasite characters. Alex and Alexandra were both parasite after an experiment, uh, oddly enough, that involved Professor Hamilton. Uh, no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the villain Ruin, who was secretly Professor Hamilton, performed some experiments. Two new parasites debuted, one purple, the other green. Uh, teenagers, Alex and Alexandra, uh, who wanted to seek revenge on the people who made their lives difficult. They were soon subdued by Superman after a battle. After attempting to escape from a metahuman prison, Alex was killed by an OMAC robot while his sister Alexandra escaped and joined the secret society of supervillains under Alexander Luthor Jr., 
who was posing as Lex Luthor. She's later one of the villains sent to retrieve the Get Out of Hell Free card from the Secret Six. But that's... Wow, that was a lot. Okay. <coughs> but that's before, that's before New 52. Okay. Was she green or purple? She was she was purple. Okay. Okay. I thought she was this just a was gender. This was Adventures of Superman number six thirty five here. When was uh, that? well this would have been That's not the nineties, is it? Yeah, that's Greg Rucka on on the on the script. I don't know. So, um, I'd have to I have to look. Let's see when was oh wait no stop. Um, that back. Adventures of Superman. They first appeared in Adventures of Superman number 633. And that would have been... I don't know when. It doesn't say. Let's see. What's my citation here? 17. Uh, it doesn't say. I'd have to look it up. But... Uh, but at least, at least we're not doing some sort of a Rule Thirty Four gender swap type of of thing with the character. It's an actual. This is a person hey, from hey, the character hey, from the hey, comics. Hey, rule. That's not Rule Thirty Four. Rule Sixty Three. Don't say Rule Thirty Four. That's not the gender swap one. Just, just, just All trying right. to save. Whatever. Rule four is not. Do you know? Do you know how much I have to keep track in my head that it's so unimportant which one that I get there that's that's um, uh, right or wrong? I don't know. All right, do you, do I'll take your word. No, I'll you? take your word for okay, it. I'll okay. take your word for it. You're you're gonna you're gonna <coughs> want to monitor the uh, the comments later. <laughs> Whatever. Rule sixty three is gender swap. I think, and rule thirty four is. If something exists, there is a certain thing made of it. Oh, so. all right. Yeah, yeah. rule rule sixty three then. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's late. I'm doped up on cold medicine, so. And I'm a dope, so we're doing our best. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So, uh, so so the other part of this, um confrontation between Superman and, and Bizarro seems to be going fairly well, although he loses Bizarro loses his medallion. Or are we doing that fight first? You want, what do you what do you want to do first? Well that's the I end mean, of the episode. Well, okay. Alright. Alright. We can skip back. So 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 we're finally gonna talk about the actual episode now. We're both sick and we've been like, talking about the episode. We well, talked. Like, we talked about it, Lucy. We talked about how Allie. How it unravels. How it unravels. Um, all right. Yeah, this so, is unraveling pretty good. Yeah, and we're unraveling too. So it opens with the flashback of Lucy and Lois arguing. Yes. And I don't care about that. It o- but so we open uh, after the credit scene. Bizarro has the heat breath. 
so we're doing a, a comic power accurate Bizarro, which I'm very excited for. Because mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's ever shown him with fire breath. Okay. Supergirl one showed her with heat. Uh, no, with freeze vision, but it's all blues, so it didn't really mean anything anyway. So very excited about that. Um, I have seen some rumors and some theories that the medallion, the shape of it, is the same shape of the Phantom Zone in the Christopher Reeve movies. Mm-hmm. The same diamond shape. And when Superman and Bizarro have their first encounter, these tendrils come out of the necklace towards Clark trying to drag him in. Do you think that's a Phantom Zone medallion? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, why would it be grabbing Clark and not grabbing Bizarro? And why would it, why would Bizarro be wearing it? And then the, can, there's a lot of questions if it is. Well, and I if it is, it, then, then if, when, when Jet grabs a hold of it, why doesn't it suck him in? Right. And what are the tendrils? Why are the tendrils yellow when it's blue? It, there's a lot of questions. Um, well, and it could very well be that it's not necessarily a Phantom Zone type of, of thing. It's just reminiscent as a, as a visual callback because a lot of these shows do that sort of thing where they'll, they'll, they'll wink and you're supposed to be coming off the couch like Leonardo DiCaprio going... I, I get I get that reference. I understand that reference. So it could be just that they're repurposing the visual for whatever it is that they're going to do with the medallion, whatever whatever ends up being the actual function of the thing. But well, the fact that he doesn't have it now, you know, it's it's gone. Bizarro doesn't have it. What effect that's going to have? We'll see what that does. But yeah, the the main thing that I noticed was it looked like it was there was a moment when Superman got dragged towards it and then Tendril started reaching out to him. I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't sound like anything besides the Phantom Zone projector to well, me. Well, it it also it also could be that Bizarro's genetic makeup is such that perhaps he's he's trying to merge with Clark. Maybe it's maybe it's uh, energy siphoning. Maybe they're canceling each other out. It could be a number of things. We don't know enough yet about how they're how they're going to actually play this out with what version of Bizarro this is. Because when we if it's pre-crisis Superman. And something happened. I'm not sure how you do that. I don't think that would happen. And that would not make any sense with the backwards S. And him having the post-crisis suit. Yeah. But when you said merging, that's what I've thought of first. There's, There's an old story in the Gold Key Comics... Star Trek title. This is back in the 70s. And at one point, the Enterprise encounters a life pod type of thing. And they bring it on board, and they open it up, 
And inside the life pod is James Kirk. And McCoy is like, uh, he's you. And Kirk's like, that's not possible. I, I'm me. And this new Kirk says, I, you're right, I'm not from this universe. I'm from the universe before this one. So basically, through whatever, whatever scheme and, and manipulation of story, uh, this Jim Kirk was sent forward to the next, through the next collapse and Big Bang in order to be retrieved by this Jim Kirk and I'm going to take your place and you're going to go in the pod and you go into the next thing. Oh, oh. So when you sit there and say that this could be a pre-crisis oh, Superman, that my, my mind automatically goes to that. And I know that's not what we're dealing with here, but you consider that he's in a containment suit when we first see him. You know what I just realized? What? Is Superman has... I'm Okay, I'm assuming that the Arrowverse is still canon to this, correct? I would suppose so, at okay. least in some, in some manner. Well, Superman is a character that remembers both pre-crisis and post-crisis, right? Okay. Well, who else is? Lex Luthor. He made himself one of the Paragons as well. In crisis, meaning he remembers everything pre-crisis as well. Was this Superman in that set? Mm-hmm. Okay. Tyler Hector and John Cryer are each other Superman and Lex. Yeah. And Lex before is... Now, our Superman was not a paragon, but Martian Manhunter revisited everybody and shared with them, the pre-crisis stuff. Okay. But Lex Luthor already has knowledge of that. So, maybe he could be a pre-crisis Superman and Luthor did something. Or Luthor has knowledge of the multiverse and it, I don't know. It could that be, kind of well, he could be, a, he could be a pre-crisis clone, which is what he was in the John the John Byrne reboot in '86, that Bizarro was a clone of Superman, uh, developed at LexCorp. Right. So this could be something like that. Um, it could also oh. be uh, an experiment from the DoD. Yeah. But wouldn't it be crazy if it's Luthor bringing in other supermen from other Earths and experimenting? You have to be careful with that because you, you, now now you involve a whole... Because they're still getting visions. Yeah, but you have to, you're going to end up involving a whole lot of hand wavium to explain how he did it. Because that's a lot of exposition if they don't do it right. How did Natalie and John get there? Who cares? Well, they got they got there in different ways, but Natalie got got across by a ship because she yeah, landed on the Fent, on the Kent farm in the ship. It's Lex Luthor. He is one of Earth's greatest genius, and the multiverse exists. I mean, it's not that much of a of a stretch. No, I, I know, but but having Lex Luthor crossover is different from 
Lex Luthor crosses over a, a version of Superman who happens to be a bizarro form of Superman who's not the Superman from John Henry no, no, Irons. No, no, no. That's not what right. I meant. That's not what I meant. I meant Luthor strictly bringing in other Supermen and then experimenting on them. And that's how you get to the bizarro point. And the only reason I'm also wondering this is because they're still getting visions and it was called <laughs> interdimensional something. They're and getting. I, know they're I think they're getting visions. Up. They're getting visions of each other's heads because somehow they're psychically linked. Because I, uh, the assumption right. is because they're both Kryptonian. If you look at last week's episode, they had that headache at the same time together of something underground. So it, or at least something crashing. So was it just memories? Is there something else? Am I reading too much into it? You may I'm be reading, reading too much into it because you've got the, you've got the mind collapsing. With the explosion, and then you have another explosion, and and this week, we, this week I don't think we had any of that. I mean, you had the shared visions, but nothing, uh, nothing underground. No, they're not seeing this week. they're I've, seeing I've, each other's experiences in real time as they're experiencing it with each other. They're not. It's not. I, I don't get any sense that there's any kind of a shared memory anywhere. As much as it's a psychic, you know, voice line. You know, it's it's psychic FaceTime. Here's what's going on right now. They see each other. What's what's going on? Because yeah. see, because today Bizarro had. Uh, Bizarro was able to see Clark's seizure in the in the dining room. Right. So they're able to see well, each other's uh, life experiences. I don't think there's a memory involved. Listen, I think I'm just time. trying. There, there is mem There are memories interlapping though, because Bizarro went to the Fortress of Solitude last week. Right. Which but, actually, which actually could solidify the pre-crisis thing well it could it could mean that he's got some kind of knowledge from from superman in, in, in terms of like a template for a clone or something but that doesn't necessarily mean that memories have been transferred between clark and bizarro it could very well mean that he just he just remembers things based on what got stuck in his head when he was created right it doesn't it doesn't necessarily follow that he's an actual kal-el from a different dimension. It, it could be. He just. He, 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 at this point. It's easy to assume. That he's a construct. Because. Generally speaking. That's what he's been. Uh, it, it, I want everyone to know. I don't want him to be. From another dimension. I don't. I want him to be a clone. On earth. I'm only speculating. The dimensional stuff. Because the mother called it. Interdimensional. Something. Right. And to use the term interdimensional, I'm assuming that it's interdimensional. Well. And, I mean, it could be pre-crisis. That maybe. could be interdimensional. And this maybe. is a Superman that remembers, you know, where the fortress is, who he is, who Lois is, but not who these two boys are. I don't know. I don't know. But, we, I mean, we've got... Oh, I don't know what five or six more episodes to go through the season, so it, it, it'll play out here in the next 
Oh, I'd give it. Do what? Are we only getting ten episodes? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Because we're only on episode four. I know. Okay. Um, In any case, what we're probably going to see is some kind of uh, payoff in the next... I'd give it two episodes. We'll get some kind of an idea of who this guy is. Because, like I said before, they're not... They're not pussyfooting around. They're not, you know, they're not taking their time. They're not just, you know, spending the reels, killing time. Oh, let's let's wait for the reveal. It's no, let's bang, 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 bang. Go to the next thing. So I would say, I'd say probably in the next next two or three episodes, we'll get more of an explanation on who this guy is. I think um, I kind of want to wrap up the Bizarro talk because there are a few more things that I want to talk well, about. Well, fine. What else? <laughs> um, man, he really just killed two of Anderson's people. That was well. That, that was a way of showing stakes. Throw away, throw away actors. But one of them could be Hank Hinge. Ooh, what if Tag becomes Cyborg Superman? Ooh, possibly. That'd be cool. Maybe. Although Tag is not... Tag's not the one that I would go to first for something like that. Because Cyborg Superman, if you look at Hank Henshaw in the in the comics, Cyborg Superman, Hank Henshaw was genius. Hank Henshaw was the the DC Comics equivalent of Reed Richards. If you go back and you look at the original story where Hank Henshaw was first introduced, it was it was post crisis. There was a crew of four. It was an obvious homage to the Fantastic Four. And Hank Henshaw is one of the four scientists in the in the spaceship and they get exposed to cosmic rays and all of this other stuff. And he dies physically. Physically dies, body is dead, deteriorates, he's gone. And a few weeks, a few couple of months later in the storylines <clears throat> after the death of superman you had the, the 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 cyborg superman shows up well it turns out that hank henshaw and this was this was rather clever how it was how it was built up and how it was revealed hank henshaw when he died his essence went into the machinery and he started re-coalescing and, and putting himself back together using the machinery that was around him and through his genius and the way his mind worked, he was able to basically build himself a new body and he comes back out Cyborg Superman because there there's that, there's that imprint when he died because... They were fighting Superman, essentially. Oh, so well, Superman was trying to help them, but they were slowly losing their minds and and going insane because of everything that was happening to them. So they weren't rational. 
Hank's wife was pretty much the only one who had who had kept her sanity for the longest, if I remember right. But um, but the Hank Henshaw from the comic books is nothing like Hank Henshaw from Supergirl, who ends up being John Jones from from you know and all of that. That's a and completely then, different thing. And uh, then a moron screaming about how he cyborg Superman. If you yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't work. No. Now, if they were to do something like that with cyborg Superman, you have to you have to earn it. He can't just show up and be Cyborg Superman without any kind of backstory. So I would say that if they're going to do some kind of Cyborg Superman story, then somewhere along the road, we're at least going to get some kind of a mention of Hank Henshaw prior to that. Because maybe... Maybe there's an experiment in the files and Hank Henshaw dies. Because we get that. That's how we get the reveal for John Henry Irons, right? Is this guy, this guy is, is dead. He's part of the army, but he's dead. And can I be honest with you? Yeah. Supergirl didn't use Hank Henshaw. We'd already have him. That in Uh, my opinion, not necessarily, not necessarily. I think, I think that's why we haven't gotten Hank Henshaw. Not, and I think that's no, because because the Hank Henshaw persona in Supergirl hasn't hasn't been seen. Uh, I mean, he, he was early in the early in first and second season. We didn't we didn't get Hank through the I, whole thing. What I mean is, I don't think this show is going to try to get David Harewood to come back. No, Hank it won't Henshaw. be David Harewood. No. It'll be a completely. And that's why they, it'll be somebody and different. That's why, and that's why I don't think they'll do it, because you'll get too many people confused about why isn't it David Harewood? Because you and I understand doppelgangers and how this works. Unfortunately, most of the people that watch some of these Arrowverse shows, but most no, but most of the people who watch Supergirl know that David Harewood played John Jones. Not, yes. I mean, well, with, Hank Henshaw, well, but Hank Henshaw was an identity that John Jones adopted. I know that. I know. And most of the people who've watched Supergirl, if they continued to watch Supergirl, Hank Henshaw went away in the first, second season. Right. He hasn't been Hank Henshaw. He hasn't even pretended to be Hank Henshaw since the beginning of the show. And the show's gone six six years now. Okay, and it's off well, the air, so you know the the Hank Henshaw stuff. It's a tenuous connection at best, and since this is post crisis, you do have an opportunity to do something original that's more comic book accurate. But at the same time, if you're going to do anything with Hank Henshaw, you've got to introduce all four of them and do that backstory, and that's very complicated, and it takes a lot of time, and You'd have to get through all of that in order to get to Cyborg Superman, and Cyborg Superman doesn't show up until death of Superman, and we don't have Doomsday to kill Superman, and we haven't earned any of that yet. That's why I don't think it's going to be Hank. I I still think that Bizarro is going to turn out to be Doomsday. I really do. I don't know. Maybe. Because I've never heard of a show confirming a villain and then just not using that villain. I've never heard of that. Unless it's a it's a red herring. It's a oh yeah, we're gonna do Doomsday. Nudge nudge wink wink. 
I don't know. I think he's actually going to end up being Doomsday. I don't know. I'd have to go back and look at those interviews with Todd Helbing again because I want to. I want to. I. I. I'm curious now whether or not he actually confirmed. Yes, Doomsday is in the show, or if he simply said we're going to do the full reveal on the third episode. Because there's difference in what you said. If he actually confirms Doomsday, that's one thing. If he says, now we're going to reveal, you know, if, if people are making the assumption we're seeing Doomsday, well, we're going to see the full, we're going to see the full effect of the whole character. We do the full reveal on the third, the third episode. That's not saying that it's doomsday or not. So I would have I'd have to go back and look at those interviews again to see for sure. But but I guess also confirming two villains and there being a mysterious third one. I mean, I guess there are well all kinds yeah. of pairings. Probably was wrong about a few. Well, and, and I I tend to lean toward your supposition that we could be getting Lex Luthor. Uh, it might not be John Cryer playing Lex Luthor, but I think we'll probably get Luthor connected to the to the cleanup operation at the mine. I'm not entirely against Cryer. Or it could be Lena. No, they're not going to do Lena. Post crisis, they could. <sighs> Nobody wants that. <laughs> well, I mean, she's a popular character out of the show, so. But, but uh, what's oh, do you not like John Cryer as Luthor? No, I think I think John Cryer's fine as Luthor. Well, okay, we've never seen Tyler Hecklin and John Cryer together. No, that's true. I, and I, and he, there's the added there's the added bonus for people my age to see John Cryer playing Lex Luthor after John Cryer played Luthor's Superman. nephew in Superman Four. So. Yeah. yeah, Ducky. That's so good. Um, well, he's not Ducky in Superman Four, but you know, you know, you know what I mean. Uh, since you I never saw that movie, never mind. I have been watching a lot more Justice League animated series, so the final part of Superman and Lois, I don't know what it is, but was just beautiful to me. Mm. Um, I really thought Steel was dead. I I knew he wasn't, but there was a part of me that went, are we not getting Death as Superman? Are we getting Death as Steel? Well, so then, no, it, we're not going to get Death of Steel. We will likely get John Henry is injured. Natalie takes over as Steel because that's the story from the comic books. Natalie yeah. eventually becomes Steel and, and, and John Henry, you end up with two Steels. So at some point, you know, my thinking is John Henry's injured. Natalie goes back to, to, to rebuild the suit. She builds it so she can wear it and, and keep her dad safe. That's where that story is going. I think. But I, I was just like, man, it's good. It's really good. Just that final part. And also there's something weird about seeing Superman in a normal setting that makes this feel very grounded to me. What do you mean? We don't see, um, so when they take him to the hospital, yeah. let me, let me, let me explain this a little better. Okay. Whenever we see the hero suited up, it's always in this big epic moment. 
when they're not being epic, they're either in their home base or they're in street clothes. They're not making Superman epic. We get this is probably one of the first times we've seen something where it's just the hero in the costume just looking over a hospital bed. They're not looming in the shadows. It's just Superman in a normal hospital. Mm-hmm. And and the way like Natalie was screaming at him, Lois was like crying in the corner. It just felt it felt so real. And I had another moment like that in um last season. I rewatched the episode a few weeks ago, um, the episode before the finale, when Morgan Edge is hovering above everybody and it's the panic crowd in Metropolis. Superman doesn't land. We just see him walk through the crowd. Not some epic landing, not some hero pose. Right. Superman in full costume just... I don't know where I was going with this thought, but there's just something about seeing these people in the costumes. Well, not it 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 gives cool. it it gives it a certain grounding that makes it feel a little little less <clears throat> a little less mythological and yeah. epic mythology and the big stories and the grand and the sweeping tales. And, and the lighting in the hospital room made the suit look awful too. And for some well, reason, I mean, it's I a hospital. Hospitals make everybody look awful. Yeah, true. Except for all the pretty CW actors. No, I, I, hospitals generally tend to make everybody look awful. Right. Um, but yeah, no. Um, the scene itself, where he just takes him to the hospital, and um, we get, you know the very famous Superman holding the body of insert superhero here because we, well, we didn't get that shot because his back was to the camera. He just picked him up and jumped. Yeah. So that's that. I thought, I thought it turned around so we can see him fly fly facing the camera. No, I don't think we did. No. Um, that shot gets overplayed anyway. I mean, yeah, Props to George Perez, and at some point between now and the end of the season, we're going to have to get some kind of George Perez tribute. But, um, but yeah, that shot, we got that shot. Can you imagine? It's the end of the season. My doomsday thing is real. Mm. And we get that shot with Steel holding Superman's body. I, I... You're not saying no immediately if, because you don't. No, because if we get that shot, it likely will be a couple of options. Either, either Jordan holding Sarah dead or injured, Ooh. or Steel holding Natalie. Or, or Superman holding Lois. I I like the idea of somebody holding Superman. That I think that would be too much to take, especially given how much respect the the show has had for the source material so far. I think that would be a bridge too far. 
I think that would be pushing the bounds of believability and credibility for the story. Depending, I, I, there's a caveat there. Depending on how the story plays out, you could get there in a certain way, but that's, okay. that's something that would definitely have to be earned. And along it's the way, you're going to have to do it. Yeah. But along the way, you got to do everything you can to maintain the trust of the audience. Now, so far they've been doing okay. Yeah. But because something like that, something like that's probably pushing it a little bit too much. I think. Um, yeah. Uh, real quick. Cause I don't know how long we've been going. We're, we're, we're close to the end of our hour. Yeah. Um, real quick, I wanted to make a little note. I don't know if this was on purpose or just an accident, but I, Chrissy wearing the blonde wig in, I don't know why, I just felt like another nod towards Allison Mack. I don't know why. Yeah. No, I get, I can get you. I you get you. You don't need to disguise Chrissy. Nobody knows who she is. Except and they, what, ex- well, est- except they establish in the dialogue ahead of time that her persona that she built online was young and blonde. They say that in the dialogue, so she's got to show up looking young and blonde. So that that's why that is. Well, still, it's it's not a nod towards Mac, is it? I don't think it's a nod so much as it's a a ripped from the headlines type of thing. Um, I think that, and again, you know, we've talked about this before. There is a very fine line to walk when you're doing some of these inspired by true events type stories. Now the, the crime, the crime stories, you know, the crime shows did it all the time. Adam 12 dragnet emergency. Uh, you get, you get those Hill street blues, I think pulled some, some real stories in. you got LA, you know, uh, uh, law and order and all of those Chicago PD, so you can you can do those kind of stories that are inspired by real events and headlines in the news and that sort of thing. But this one this one is so specific. Well, this one also if you don't if you don't mind us talking about this specifically for a second. Well, let me let me finish making my point here first because this this particular one there is a danger on this one. Because it is so specific to Allison Mack, who was part of Smallville, and that connection there with the WB, the CW, a show that they had, an actor that they've had, and this storyline is still actually playing out in real-world events because you've had, uh, you know, she's serving time in in federal prison he's actually started to do some interviews now and his story his side of the story is starting to come out you've got other people that are advocating that what was played out in the press was not actually true so it you know there are a lot of these allegations that are still being kicked back and forth and this show if if they continue down this path depending on how much they pull in from the real headlines they could 
they could very well get sticky into some liability here with whatever kind of story they tell. They've got to be really careful unless they have some kind of arrangement with Allison Mack and she knows they're doing this and she's cooperating with it. That would put a completely different spin on this, but I don't think that's the case. I think they saw an opportunity to say, Hey, let's tell, let's do this story, but they could blow up in their faces if they're not careful. Well, I want to ask you green fair. Um, So, um, I'm not going to keep it like that. Good, because um, it washes you out. Do you, is it just me or does it feel personal? It, 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 it's a Superman show. Uh-huh. Based on a story off of an actress from another Superman show. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it almost feels like insulting. Now, I'm not saying what Allison Mack did wasn't wrong. Well, okay. There's just something. There's just something that seems so slap in the face and house. And that's and that's why I'm saying they have to be careful with it because it they <coughs> if they because they're leaning in if they're going to eventually do the do the reveal that Allie is parasite. Yeah. Whether she's already parasite or not, that could factor into she she probably is because she you know that's probably how she manipulates people into her cult. Oh, that was so matter of factly me. I'm sorry. I I was assuming I well, haven't heard anybody else talk about it. But it hasn't people, it hasn't been revealed in the show. So no, no, no. the people that all got up in the diner with uh when Allie was sitting with Lois. Yeah. I thought that was her using her powers. No, no, no. Those are her, th- that, that those are her henchmen. Yeah. But there was another part of me that was wondering, like, do you think those weren't actually her henchmen and they were just literally... No, they were, they were henchmen because they were aware. They weren't walking around like they were zombies under mind control. They were actually they looking at Lois and they were looking menacing and they were there to be thugs. Oh, so, I thought they just got up at once and walked out. They no, were, they got up with her, and they walked out with her. Well, what I'm what I'm thinking is this isn't a power parasite. Yeah, but par- parasite parasite doesn't have mind control. Yeah, I think that they're not doing a power sucking parasite, and this is an empath parasite. Because look how look how quickly Chrissy, boom, she's yeah, in. that's she's a possibility. Just, and with how long she's been working with Lois, and Lois owning some of the Gazette anyway, because she actually technically doesn't Lois own the Gazette now? I think they're they, I think they're partners. Yeah, so she's already done so much, and this one thing is not enough for Chrissy to just completely say, screw you, Lois. I think that is an empath parasite, and that's why nobody can escape. That's a possibility, and I can see that playing out. And that's why I thought everybody getting up was her having some sort of like weird yeah link i don't them. i don't think that was any kind of a link thing more than it was just these are my henchmen let's go boys we're done here 
Uh, because oh. that's that's pretty typical when you have the bad guy makes your speeches and whatever and blah de blah de blah and we have your, you know, that's a threat. That's a promise. We're gonna see each other again. I'm gonna give you evil eye, evil eye. Okay, we're done here. I'm gonna walk I, out. I also thought I saw a waiter walk out, so that's my bad. I don't know. I, thought, I, did, I, I didn't well, notice from, anybody else. Okay, okay. It was probably just him. Yeah. So it's it, like I said, we'll we'll see it play out probably in the next two or three episodes. They're going to get through this thing pretty quick because, like you said, if we've got another another villain to go through to introduce anyway, then you know we still have that reveal to get to because we still don't know who was on the other end of that walkie-talkie. So yeah. there's that. I so if it, is, if it is Luthor, then I don't think he'll be a villain on his own. I think he'll be involved with Zara thing. Well, it'll, it'll probably coalesce here in the next three, four episodes, and then we'll we'll run into the last, you know, the the back half of the season, and all all of the threads will end up coalescing together into one. Right. And it'll okay. be a big, awful mess. <laughs> I hope not. They've hope been doing not. been doing good so far. We'll see. And. I know we talked about it last week. Natalie, Natalie's growing on me. I don't know what it is, but she's she's growing on me. Yeah, she's getting there. I, I'm not to sound too much of a old fogey, but kids, kid heroes are always a tough sell for me because. If you don't do it right, they can really they can really come off hokum. Well, speaking right. of kids superheroes, you should check out Stargirl. <laughs> no, I okay, I I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, that's why I needed Stargirl because there's something very beautiful about that show mm. because the stuff with the kids is campy and corny, and they're you know dealing with high school and like literally snapping yeah, at each other. But that's, that's a specific and tone. Then, that's a specific tone for that show that works for that show. Now I understand what it's like when I interrupt you. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, no, no, no. But it's, which is whenever the kids are on screen, it's that tone. But whenever the adults are on screen, there are times and it's almost, almost borderline. Oh, maybe this isn't family friendly. Yeah. Maybe this isn't okay because there are some moments when it's just the adults on screen when it's like these are the Teen Titans and these are the cute ones and we're getting the cute missions but when we're not having the camera on them people are dying yeah. and we see some brutal stuff we see some really dark stuff and that's perfect for me for like we're seeing kid superheroes I want to see kid superheroes not f-bombing batman yeah and you know being kids screwing up as superheroes although to be fair the titans show they're not kids well okay everybody they should be but they're not every single one of these kids are older than me yeah. and some of them are in their 30s playing 19 I know, so, but I mean, but I'm talking about the characters, not the actors. The the characters are not the kids that they started out to be in the comic our, books. I our mean, Raven and Boy not 15. 
They're not supposed thought, to be. In the comic books, they're older. I thought they were kids. No. And that Dick was... <coughs> in the show, I mean. Uh, well, see, I don't. I'm. I haven't seen the show, but the show. The show is not entirely comic book accurate. Let's say. Really. Oh yeah, that's that. Yeah, Wait, this, they they take some. The they take some liberties with yeah. that show. So the worst. Batman. But I don't know. I haven't seen him. Have you seen that clip? Oh, it's the funniest thing. They got some like 60-year-old actor to play Bruce Wayne. And I haven't seen the show, but I've seen the clip. And he walks into the room with Dick Grayson sitting there, looks at him and goes, I killed Joker. Now, I want to set the scene. It's raining. It's thundering. Mm -hmm. There's lightning. And there's flickering lights. So when you think that, that's the perfect situation for Batman to disappear, right? Right. You see the 60-year-old <laughs> run down the hallway. The whole hallway. Mm -hmm. Outside of a suit. After saying, hey, I just killed Joker. And then runs down the hallway. The camera doesn't break. And you're hearing the storm in the background. The lights flicker, but he's still running. And, and and Dick Grayson's just sitting there the whole time and then gets out of bed once he's gone. So, yeah, no, Teen That's Titan, uh, Titans weird. is definitely some liberties. Yeah. yeah. All right, um, well, we'll, yeah, we'll wrap up there and uh, anticipate uh, anticipate another conversation next week. And, and uh, wow. what? Um, if you want to see us bicker about the last episode of Book of Boba Fett next week, oh, we would be... I don't know about that. However, however, we will not be back with another recap of Superman and Lois until the 24th of February because of the Winter Olympics. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. So there's not a, there's not a show next week. I uh, haven't looked at the schedule. They're, they're coming back the 22nd. 22nd. Okay. 22nd of February. Yes. Okay. So if you want to us bicker, that'd be great. Well, I really want we'll we'll to... we'll have we'll have the Boba Fett discussion over on the Ranker Pit. We'll we'll figure that out. We've got to figure out everybody's schedule to do that. And I'd be uh, so really happy to pop we'll, by. We'll that. we'll we'll discuss. We'll discuss. We'll see. All right. In the meantime, uh, we do invite you to check out our other shows, Good Morning Multiverse, on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. 10 Central. And then on Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 Central, we've got Foreign Bodies with a discussion of horror. And then uh, assuming that all of us are back uh, at 100%, we've got a new H2O podcast Monday night. Uh, so do check that out. And if you want to find us on the socials, there's a list of all of the different places where you can find us there, as well as the different video platforms where you can find us. There's a newsletter you can sign up for. If you have material you'd like to send us for review, there's our mailing address. If you want to send some money our way, we won't object to that either, but it's certainly not any kind of obligation 
uh, on your part. So we do uh, invite you to subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Have your notifications turned on. And we will do this again at some point in the future. James, thanks very much for being here. Your insights. Thanks for having me. Sure. This is, uh, this is always, this is, I enjoy these conversations. I enjoy being able to sit down and, and do this sometimes. So I will try to, the next episode, less theories and more just the episode. That's, no, it's that's okay. Theory, there's nothing wrong with theories. And if any of you have theories, you want to leave us a comment or you want to send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. That's going to do it for us uh, this time out. And we'll do it again soon. Remember, everybody, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.